All right. So remember, this is our season of great harvest, and it is the year of what? Increase. And because it's the year of increase, we're going to talk about some things today that's going to help you to increase. So let's just pray. Father God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the opportunity to come and to share this word with your people. Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you constantly shower us with new information and new revelation to move us to the next place in our life. Father, we don't take it for granted. We praise you. We thank you. We welcome Holy Spirit into our lives today. We thank Jesus for what he did on the cross. And God, we thank you that you sent him to die for our sins and for giving us revelation that we needed a savior. And so we don't just call him savior, but he's also our Lord. And as a result, Father, we submit humbly to the to the implications in the in, in the in the promptings of what Holy Spirit is asking us to do. Now, Lord, as we go through today, I'm asking you to, to touch my mouth, touch my heart, touch my mind. Give me what to say and how to say it. Take me totally out of the way and let everything be done of you so that the people of God will be glorified, so that the people of God can be enhanced, and most importantly, that we can be what you would have us to be in this world. Father, we thank you in advance for the things you're going to do in our lives, and we believe by faith. We receive it in Jesus' name, and everybody who believes that said amen. Amen and amen. Listen, I hope I didn't go through all of that and y'all couldn't hear me. Okay, praise God. I just, uh, I, listen, like a couple weeks ago, we had some mishaps and Chris kept going in and out and she just kept coming back. If I went through all of that, <laughs> praise God, and y'all didn't get none of that, y'all gonna get these notes in the group. Amen. <laughs> praise God. All right, y'all can hear me. Well, praise God for that. Listen. So Wednesday night, Wednesday night, uh, I had a chance to teach Refresh Bible Study uh, in our partnership class. And I taught um, about the importance uh, of, of the Holy Spirit um, uh, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and it was a lesson. I mean, it, I'm not saying it was great. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying it was a lesson. I taught this lesson because it's what we believe at Fellowship of Champions. Well, I got several um, almost half a dozen or more people who 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 either inboxed me, but one person texted me, a couple people put it in the in the messenger, and they was just saying, you know, I haven't heard all of this before. I haven't been taught like this. You know, I always thought the Holy Spirit was, and then they would explain what they thought the Holy Spirit was, and and it usually had something to do with something that came on you. Uh, it had something to do with something that. Um, made you uh, cry, something that made you shout, you know, something that made you run uh, around the church uh, or something that made you fall out into a trance. And, and, and honestly, a lot of people were saying, you know, that's why I was always afraid of the Holy Ghost. They said, but the way you explained it, uh, I want to know more about the Holy Ghost. I want to know how is this person, because you said he was a person, how does this person um move me into being able to be led or to follow God. And so typically uh, when I teach, I'm typically teaching because it's something that I've been studying, right? I don't typically ever just decide I'm going to teach a message and then look up stuff and teach it. I just don't do that. I, I'm typically teaching out of my overflow. But there were so many questions about this. Um, the Holy Spirit prompted me to actually change what I was going to teach. And so this morning, 
uh, I want to spend some time. I just want to talk for a few minutes. And if you have to go, you go. And if you come back, you come back and catch the replay or whatever. But I want to talk real quick about how Holy Spirit helps us to walk with God. Because I think there are a lot of people who have a desire um, to, to be led by God, but they don't have the right tools or they've been taught the wrong information or, or, or they, they just don't know. You know, the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Now, when he was talking to those particular people, he said it's not because you don't have it, but because you reject it. I'm not saying you're rejecting knowledge unless you hear what I have to say today and then you reject it. But there are some people who simply do not know. And because they don't know, they have need um, to be instructed in the things of God, because when you are instructed in the things of God, you can then live out the things of God. Right. So on Wednesday night, doing our new partners class, I taught on the topic, understanding the role and the purpose of the Holy Spirit, understanding the role and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do this morning is I want to extend that into this discussion about how then Holy Spirit helps us to walk with God. Because in that discussion uh, on Wednesday night, we talked about six things that we should all know regarding Holy Spirit. For those of you who weren't there on, on Wednesday, I'm going to quickly just kind of go through those six things because these are almost like foundational things that you need to know about Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, however you want to refer to him, so that so that he doesn't come off as spooky to you. He doesn't come off as, as, as something you're afraid of. Amen? So the first thing we said on Wednesday night is we said that, number one, Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. And when we were talking about that on Wednesday night, I explained that because he is a person, because he is part of the Trinity, that it is the, the, the Holy Spirit um, is not void of emotion. Right. You can you can you can grieve Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit's job is to come and to empower us and to teach us and to help us live a life above what we could do naturally. But if you if you are constantly pushing back and fighting against uh, Holy Spirit to do his job, that grieves him because he knows that he, he's been called to be a gentleman. So he doesn't just kick the door in and come in your life and make you obey and make you follow him. Because he's a gentleman, he has to sit outside and watch you literally create hell for your life when he could be helping you. And that grieves him. So we said the first thing you need to understand is that Holy Spirit is not some manifestation. It's not some ghost. It's not some 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 deity out there that that comes and seeks to run up on us when we least expect it. No, in the same way that Jesus walked with his disciples to learn and to teach them, the Holy Spirit wants to do that for us. The second thing we said is that Holy Spirit has always been here and always will be. Holy Spirit is not a new phenomenon. Uh, I know we talk about the day of Pentecost and the Bible talks that when Holy Spirit showed up in the earth, um, the certain things happened. But Holy Spirit had been in the earth. He had just not been inside of mankind because the Bible tells us in Genesis that when God was creating uh, the world, that the spirit, the Holy Spirit hovered above the waters. So we have to understand this is not something new. Holy Spirit has always been here with us. Number three. We said the Holy Spirit's job is to transform our lives. 
This is where we're going to kind of stick a pin in today, because I'm a firm believer that if you allow Holy Spirit to come into your life, the things that used to slow you down or trip you up or bog you down, Holy Spirit has a way of teaching you how to live above those things, how to master those things. You know, depression is something that a lot of people deal with. And, and, and I know that sometimes it can be a chemical imbalance. I know that there can be certain things that just happen in the brain. But I also know that Holy Spirit is strong enough to teach you individually and specifically how to overcome everything that plagues you, everything that plagues you. It may not be the same way that the person beside you overcomes something or the person to your right overcomes you or the person behind you or in front of you, but Holy Spirit has a way. If you open your heart to let him live on the inside of you, to guide you with such specific detail that there is no problem or situation you can't overcome. And then number four, we said that Holy Spirit feels and equips us. Man, when Chris started singing that song this morning, she said, Holy Spirit, feel the room. Listen, the room is not the building. The room is not where you're currently sitting this morning where you may be watching me. You are the room. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, I am the room. I want Holy Spirit to feel. I am the room. Me, I am the room I want Holy Spirit to feel. Why? Because when he comes in and he feels us, when he takes up space, he doesn't just take up space, but he also equips us with everything that we are lacking. And then number five, we said Holy Spirit makes our lives fruitful. And it's important for you to understand that your life is supposed to be fruitful. As a born again believer, your job is to multiply fruit. What do I mean? It's not just about having babies. You know, people read that scripture sometimes and say, be fruitful and multiply. It's not just about having more children. It's about in every area of your life. Every area of your life, you should be fruitful. I love it because last week we were talking uh, about uh, Jesus and his disciples when they encountered the fig tree. And Pastor Sean explained to us that the one thing that is true about a fig tree is that a fig tree is never supposed to have leaves and not have fruit. Because if it does, it's an indication uh, that that tree is what we used to call perpetrating a fraud. <laughs> the tree is perpetrating. It's not real because it only supposed to have leaves if it has fruit. And so Holy Spirit comes into our life. Watch this. So we don't have to perpetrate. We don't have to perpetrate love. We don't have to perpetrate joy. We don't have to perpetrate peace. We don't have to perpetrate long suffering. Why? Because Holy, Holy Spirit will fill us and equip us so that we can actually to live truthfully fruitful lives. And then the sixth thing we said was that Holy Spirit wants to lead us daily. Holy Spirit wants to lead us daily. It's about an everyday life encounter with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not designed just to show up between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on Sundays when the music is playing. That is not the only time the Holy Spirit is supposed to be uh, encountering you. You want to have a daily encounter with Holy Spirit. Why? Because if you go back and listen to what we said on Wednesday, I won't recap it all, but we talked about all of the different things that show up when we allow Holy Spirit to lead our life. It's, and it's a lot of different things that show up in the natural when we allow Holy Spirit to lead our lives. 
And so after we discuss those six things uh, that we should all know uh, regarding Holy Spirit, we got into what we call the job description of the Holy Spirit. And I gave several different job descriptions, several different uh, things that Holy Spirit does. And, you know, when you have a job description, it lays out for you at least at least in a broad sense of what your role is. Uh, uh, many job descriptions at the bottom have a little clause that says and other duties as assigned. <laughs> well, see, Holy Spirit has so many roles and responsibilities in our lives. Uh, and sometimes we get ourselves in such trouble. He has to do some of those other duties as a sign. But it's always designed and assigned to keep you safe, to cause you to increase. And so one of the functions that we discussed on Wednesday night, which is the one we're going to focus on today, is we said that Holy Spirit gives us both wisdom and guidance. Now, I gave you like 10 of those, but we ain't going to talk about the rest of them. This is what I want to talk about today, how the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and guidance. I spent Wednesday talking about how the, that the Holy Spirit does give wisdom and does give guidance. But today I want us to drill down into exactly how that happens. So this morning, as a function of that, I want us to, to really take a serious look at this. We know that Holy Spirit will help us to discern difficult situations. We know that. We know that if, if previous experiences, if you've ever, if you've ever been in a situation and, and, and you were not able to figure it out and all of a sudden you got a revelation on it, that wasn't because of your intellect. That was because Holy Spirit intervened on your behalf. We know that he helps to guide us and give us wisdom for both big situations and also for little situations, big decisions and little decisions. We also know that Holy Spirit will come along and help us to walk in truth. Walking in truth is one of the most important things you can do as a believer. Why? Because the enemy uses untruth. He uses counterfeit. He uses deception in all of those things in order for us to be led astray. Now, the Bible says it like this. It says that we are drawn away by the lust of our own flesh. Right. We, we all have flesh. We all have desires that are ungodly. We all do. The, the, what, what you have to learn to do is allow Holy Spirit to come in. Remember we talked about filling this room. You have to allow him to fill this room so that he floods all of that stuff out of you. So all of those fleshly desires get flooded out of you. So now what's drawing you are the things connected to God and not the things that are connected away from God. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 2 and 12 in the Amplified Version. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world. See, we don't want that spirit. We don't want the spirit of the world. That's the enemy. It says, but we have received the Holy Spirit who is from God so that we may know, watch this, and understand all the wonderful things freely given to us by God. That's why you need Holy Spirit. Why? So that you will know and understand. So that you will know 
and understand all of the wonderful things that have been freely given to us by God. Again, go back and listen to Wednesday night. I list for you all of the things Holy Spirit brings with him when I talked about all of the gifts that Holy Spirit brings. One of those gifts is the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles. Those things come free when you allow Holy Spirit to move in. Praise God. Holy Spirit is so wonderful that not only does he come in to help us, but he brings gifts with him. Amen. Listen, part of Holy Spirit's job is to guide us through life via the word. There are times in your life and you could read the Bible forward to back, back to forward as many times as you want. There are nuances in scripture because the scripture is living, that unless you have Holy Spirit to illuminate that for you, you never get the full revelation. So here's what happens. You read and you study the word. Holy Spirit, who we just read is from God, comes alongside you and gives you an in-depth, better explanation of what that word means, not just in the general sense, but what it means for your life. That's why you need Holy Spirit. You know, you got people out here who go to seminary school. And, and this is the honest truth. I met a guy who went to seminary. He was a pastor of a fairly large denominational church. And he said to me that he did not believe the Bible. He just taught what he had learned. Understand, if, th if that is possible, there is no power in that. The Holy Spirit brings power with him, power for you to live out the word. Why? Because it's not just words. It is actually the spirit of God. And you need something from God to give that a boost in your natural life. The Holy Spirit illuminates our minds in such a way that we can understand and hear what God is pressing up on our heart. It's why the Bible talks about in Jude. It says in Jude 20, it says that when we pray and we pray in the spirit or we call it praying in the Holy Ghost, it builds up our most holy faith. Why is it important to build up our most holy faith? Well, the Bible says because there are times that we don't know what to pray for. There are times that we don't even know how to pray. It says, but Holy Spirit, if he's inside of you, will begin to make that intercession for you so that the thing you need and the thing you desire that you don't know how to pray for is still being prayed for. Listen, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit is wonderful. Not only does he bring gifts with him, not only does he feel us, but then in times of need, he does the work for us when we can't do it ourselves. Let's look at John chapter 16, verse 13 in the Amplified. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, talking about Holy Spirit, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, watch this, he will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from who? From the father, the message regarding his son. And he will disclose to you, watch this, he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. Listen, somebody ought to give Holy Ghost some praise. Holy Ghost comes and fills you. He leads you and guides you. He brings good gifts to you. He prays for you when you ain't got a clue about what to pray. And then he tells you about the future. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Holy Spirit is the bomb. Do you understand? How would you not want to live your life without Holy Spirit? Look at all that we've talked about just so far that he does. And why does he do all of this? He does all of this because his ultimate goal is to teach us how to follow after God. His ultimate goal is to teach us how to follow after God. Somebody put this in the comment section. Say, Holy, say, Holy Spirit is my teacher. Holy Spirit is my teacher. Why? Because the Bible says that he's going to disclose to me what's to come. That means if I don't have to be concerned about tomorrow, I don't have to be concerned about next week. I don't have to be concerned about next year. Why? Because whatever I need to know about tomorrow, whatever I need to know about uh, the, the next week, whatever I need to know about the next month or the next year, guess what? Holy Spirit is going to teach me. He's going to teach me what I need to know. That, that is it's, it's so important because that's why when Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, your first response can't be, well, I don't know how to do it. Oh, yes, you do. Because if he told you to do it, he's required to teach you. And there is no better teacher than Holy Spirit. He's, the Bible says he's going to tell you what's to come. Watch this. And it says he's not going to be just speaking random stuff. He's not just going to be. Sometimes people and I've done it myself. I hear Holy Spirit tell me something, and then I go, man, did I make that up? Was that just me? Uh, 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 was that just me talking? Listen, Holy Spirit, when you spend time with him, you get to know his voice. And although he may tell you something that may seem outside of your comfort zone, you got to know he's going to be there to help you. I think about um, I, I think about uh, Moses when Moses told Pharaoh uh, to let his people go before he went to Pharaoh. He was telling uh, God why he couldn't do it. <laughs> he was saying, don't you hear how I talk? I, I stutter. I can't get my words out. I can't I can't speak properly. But what did God do? God said, I ain't concerned about that. I've already told you what to do. So if I tell you what to do, I already know how to make it possible for you. Amen. Listen, let's look at John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. Now, why am I doing this? I'm spending some time with scripture because I'm going to show you some things in a moment, but I need to get you grounded in this idea about what Holy Spirit does. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 27, it says, but the anointing which you have received of him. What is the anointing? We know that Jesus Christ is the anointed one who brings the anointed with him. We also know that Jesus says, listen, I'm going back to the father, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He says the same anointing I have with me, I am going to send it back to you. So in 1 John 2, 27, we see this being lived out. He says, but the anointing which you have received of him, what does it do? It abides in you. Somebody say, Holy Spirit is in me. That's right. He ain't coming on me. I ain't in service waiting for him to, to break through the ceiling and fall on me. I bring him with me. When I show up to church, guess who shows up? Holy Spirit. Why? Because he abides, he lives, he resides in me. And watch this. This is so good. He says that when Holy Spirit abides in you, he says, then you have need not, glory to God, that any man do what? Teach you. Now, hold on a second, because you got to get the spirit of what he's saying. 
It doesn't mean you don't receive instruction. It doesn't mean you don't read a book. It doesn't mean you don't go to a class. It doesn't mean you don't hear teaching. It doesn't mean you don't take a seminar. What he means is if you find yourself where there is no class, if you find yourself where there is no seminar, if you if they came and took all of our Bibles today and told us we could never have access to the word. He said, don't you dare trip because you got something on the inside of you and it abides in you that whatever you need to know, no man needs to teach you because you got the teacher on the inside of you. My God, <laughs> he says, listen, I'm, this is so good to me because he says, you don't need no man to teach you. And this is what he says is at the end of the day, whatever God has called you to or called you out of or calling you into, he says he has the ability to teach you everything you need to know. We see this in scripture because there was a group of people in the Old Testament who needed to be able to sew garments and they had never sewn any garments before. But the Bible says that the anointing fell on them and that they sewed flawless garments. There are some of you out there right now, you ain't started the business because you don't think you know how, but God told you to do. There are some of you right now, you're not doing things that God's instructed you to do because you're allowing your lack of know-how to stop you. But here's what I know. You don't need finishing grace until you start. All you got to do is make the decision if Holy Spirit told you to do it, that you are going to move forward. You take one step and see how he educates you. You take the second step and see how much wisdom he gives you. Take the third step and see how much guidance he gives you. He's waiting on you to to allow him to do his job. Somebody type this in the comment section and say, we need Holy Spirit. Now watch this. We ain't finished with 1 John 2, 27, because after he says, no man, you have no need for any man to teach you. He says, but as the same anointing, as the same anointing teacheth you what? All things. He says that anointing that'll teach you how to sew when you don't know how to sew, that anointing that'll come upon you to teach you how to cook when you can't cook. Listen, I've been watching, some of you have been watching it too. I've been watching uh, Kenosha uh, Grigsby's post about her cheesecakes. And, 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 and she, she started off making really a pretty simple cheesecake, but now she's doing all of these different things with the cheesecakes, right? Listen, Kenosha's smart. She's intelligent, but she ain't getting all that from herself. She ain't sitting down and doing all that herself. You read her post. She'll tell you, listen, I ran in the bed and, the, and she'll say, and the Lord gave me an idea and I got up and sure enough, the very thing I didn't think I could do, now I could do. Listen, the Bible says in Acts 10, 35, that God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. If he'll teach her how to make a cheesecake she's never made, he'll teach you how to write code you never wrote. He'll teach you how to sew that you've never sewed. He'll teach you how to sing when you've never sung. He'll teach you how to build when you can't hold a hammer. I am telling you, whatever it is that God is calling you to, glory to God, he'll teach you how to do it. He said the same anointing that teach you all things. He says that anointing is true. Watch this. And it is no lie. And even as it has taught you, wow, you should abide in him. 
He says, you shall abide in him. You, 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 you let the Holy Spirit get in you and then you get in the Holy Ghost. And then it's like when you take orange juice and water and mix it together, you can't tell what an orange juice is or what a water is. So now you and Holy Spirit are one. Now you're not being drawn away by the lust of your own flesh because he's pushed flesh out. So now when he tells you he wants you to do something that you've never done before, now you ain't got any idea that you can't do it because all you got in Inside of you is can. All you got inside of you is I can do it. Why? Because Holy Spirit knows he can do it. So when Holy Spirit knows he can do it and you're in him and him and you, you know you can do it. Somebody go ahead and type in the comment section. Say, I can do all things with Holy Spirit. I can do all things with Holy Spirit. Now, let me clarify that. All things he's called you to. All the things he's called you to. There are some things he ain't called me to. So if he ain't called me to it, I ain't got no business over there messing with it. But everything he's called me to, I can do it and I can do it with excellence. Listen, that is why the Bible says this in Mark chapter one, verse four through 11. Everybody, hear me, everybody needs Holy Spirit. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. I want you typing this morning. Say everybody needs Holy Spirit, even Jesus. Yes. Even Jesus needed Holy Spirit. Why? Because Holy Spirit has a specific purpose and role and a specific job description. And Jesus needed to be empowered by that same spirit that we are empowered by. How do I know that? I read my Bible. <laughs> it says in Mark chapter one, in Mark chapter one, verse four through 11, we find this conversation. We got John the Baptist and it says John did baptize in the wilderness. Watch this. And he preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John is out in the wilderness and telling all these people, you need to repent. You need to turn. You need to give your life over to Yahweh. He says, because there, there, there's a time coming and you don't want to be caught in your sin. He says, so repent and be baptized for the remission of those sins. Verse five says, and there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and they were all baptized in the river of Jordan. In other words, some people heard the word, they received the word, they came, they got baptized for the remission and confession of their sins. Verse six says, and John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, verse seven, and preached, saying, there cometh one mightier than I. After me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down in the mud and tie his shoes. Verse eight says, I indeed have baptized you with water. Watch this. But he, the one who's coming after me, he's talking about Jesus, shall baptize you with what? The Holy Ghost. Now, how's Jesus going to do that? Watch this. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. Verse 10 says, and straightway when Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove. What spirit? The Holy Spirit like a dove descending on him. Verse 11 says, and there came a voice out of heaven, that was God, saying, thou art my beloved son, Jesus, he says, in whom I'm well pleased. What did he give his well-pleased son? The Holy Spirit. What did he give the son whom he loved? The Holy Spirit. 
Why? Because Jesus needed it to be empowered for all the things he was about to do. Now, let's see, let me just parenthetically insert this. If Jesus, <laughs> if Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, if Jesus needed Holy Spirit to, to endow him and to fill him, how much more then do you think we too also need Holy Spirit? See, the Bible calls Holy Spirit by at least 32 different names. If you read the Old Testament and New Testament, at least 32, there may be more, I may have missed some, but at least 32 different names, the Old and New Testament refers to Holy Spirit in some shape, form, or fashion. Some places he's called counselor, some places he's called the comforter, and some places he's called the teacher. In fact, the Greek name that you find most often in the New Testament that they use to, to talk about or describe Holy Spirit is the word paraclete or the word parakletus. And what that word means, it means intercessor, it means advocate, and it means helper. And in light of today's teaching, that's what I want us to think about, that, that, that Holy Spirit is our teacher. He is our intercessor. He is our advocate. He is the paracletus. He is the one who teaches, leads, and guides. And so we want to, to look at this from the standpoint of if, if Holy Spirit does all of these things for me, if Holy Spirit brings all of these things for me, and if Holy Spirit does all these things to me, then what do I need to do to make sure I'm in a position to receive Holy Spirit so he can help me walk with God? Listen, I've said this many, many times before, and I make, I make no apologies about it. One of the things that I think that differentiates us at Fellowship of Champions is that we don't just tell you principles we actually try to tell you how to walk out and live those principles. It's like the difference in me telling you where Los Angeles is, but actually being able to tell you how to get there from where you currently are in this space in the world. I want you to understand that what I'm about to teach you is designed so that you can do a life check so that you can see where you are, so that you can then make the adjustments necessary so that you can always live your life having Holy Spirit have access to you and you to him. I believe in my heart that we at Fellowship of Champions strive to give you the tools and the principles for scripture so that you can live your best life. One of the things we say all the time is we are a church teaching you how to walk in love, how to live by faith. So why? You can experience God's prosperity in every area. So what I'm about to do is teach you um, so, some things that I believe will help you to live a prosperous life in every area. So let's establish something right now, right this moment. Let's establish this. Scripture is clear in that it establishes the Holy Spirit's commitment to guide us, okay? Are you hearing me? Scripture is clear in that it establishes the Holy Spirit's commitment to guide us. I need you to type this in the comment section. Say, say, say it like this. Say, God has committed. God has committed to guide me. God has committed to guide me. How does he do that? By giving me Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is from him. It connects back to him. 
So Holy Spirit is almost like my spiritual GPS. It, it, it tells me where I need to go. It tells me when there's a pitfall ahead. It tells me if there's a speed trap ahead. It tells me if there's an accident ahead. Holy Spirit is my spiritual GPS. In the Old Testament, prior to Holy Spirit's arrival to the masses on here on earth, I said he's always been here, but Holy Spirit wasn't always in all of us. That didn't happen to the day of Pentecost, we find in the book of Acts. But since that time, and even before that time, we find God's commitment to guidance. So I want us to take a moment and look at this real quick, a couple of scriptures about God's commitment to guidance. Pastor Edwin, why do you spend time doing it this way? Because if you don't have a, a, a solid foundation that is scripturally based, that says it is God's commitment to me. And because God makes a commitment, he cannot lie. Then I know I never have to be without guidance. And if I'm never without guidance, then I can throw that thought out of my mind when the enemy says I don't know what to do. Yes, I do, because I'm always guided by God. Why? Because the scripture is my foundation for it. So here's what he says in Psalm 1611. We'll go through these kind of quick. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Now, this is important because if you if I had the time, I would walk you through what this word presence means. When you look at this word presence, the short version is this. It means the faces of God. It means the faces of God. He says, you make known to me the path of life. How do you do that? Because you fill me with joy in your presence. You fill me with joy when I am seeing the multifaceted faces of who you are. You don't just show up as just a, a hard taskmaster. You don't just show up as just a loving individual. You show up as a friend. You show up as a comforter. You show up as an intercessor. You're constantly showing me all of these different presence or faces of you. That's why when we sing songs, we talk about getting in the presence of God. People think you're saying get in the presence and it just means the atmosphere. No, to be in the presence of God is to be in the multi faces of God. And he says, literally, you make known to me your path by showing me your different faces. God has a commitment to guide us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding in all of thy ways. Acknowledge him, trust in him, and he shall direct thy path. We know this, we learned this in vacation Bible school. But in order for you to trust in God, you must know what God's committed to. God is committed to guiding us. Hear me when I say this. Pastor Sean and I, we've had so many God-ordained episodes in our life. Over the past 20 years, we've seen God show up in so many miraculous ways. And to be honest, there has, there's one thing that I think we can both say that we've learned over these 20 years. One thing that we could both agree on that we've taken away as we have learned to follow God. And it is that learning to follow God is a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It is what I call a learning process as you go process, a learning by doing. Have I missed God before? Yes. Have I missed God in some big ways before? Yes. But did I learn from missing God on how to trust him better and how to trust Holy Spirit better and how to make sure my ears were akin to hearing? Yes. 
So I'm not telling you that you're going to hear today's message and never, ever miss God. What I'm telling you is I'm going to give you some practical tools and some principles that you can lay out so that your likelihood of missing him decreases or diminishes. So again, scripture is clear that it establishes the Lord and the Holy Spirit's commitment to guide me. Say this, say it is Holy Spirit's desire to guide me. Go ahead and type that in the comment section while I take a drink of water real quick. It is Holy Spirit's commitment to guide me. He makes a commitment to me. My commitment is to let him abide. His commitment then is to guide me. So when we want to know or understand anything about God, or we want to know or understand anything about Holy Spirit guiding us, then we must go to scripture. Why? Because scripture is what establishes it. Scripture is what establishes God's commitment to allow Holy Spirit to guide me as I follow him. Let's look at 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.16. This is a very familiar passage and it says all scripture all scripture, and there's a whole group of people out there who are now saying they don't believe this, but I'll let them have that. All scripture for me is given by inspiration of God. And watch this, it's profitable for what? For doctrine, it's profitable for reproof, it's profitable for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So see how important scripture is? That's why we say at Fellowship of Champions, you got to love the word. Why? Because when you love the word, it supports you with a strong foundation. Why? Because it is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for reproof. It is profitable for correction. And it is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Well, what is doctrine? Doctrine is simply the order of God. It is the order of God. It is the way God expects things to operate. So scripture allows me to understand how God wants his kingdom to operate. Doctrine is the order of God. He said it's also good for reproof. What is reproof? Reproof is about the dismantling of error. There are a lot of things in our lives that we hear or we teach or heck, there's been times I preached a word and I heard somebody tell somebody what I preached. It wasn't nothing like what I preached. Why? Because people hear things differently. And so it's important that we go back to scripture whenever there is a, a, a misunderstanding of what should be being done, because the Bible says that scripture is good for reproof, which is the dismantling of error. And then number three, it said it's good for correction. What is the correction? The exposure of truth. See, a lot of people don't like to be corrected because they think correct, correction is punishment. But again, Pastor Raph did a whole teaching on this about the difference between correction and punishment. Listen, punishment is when you dole out a sentence. Uh, it's like you do something wrong and they say, I'm giving you 20 years in a federal penitentiary. That's your punishment. Correction is when you are trying to expose truth and correct or dismantle something to put somebody back on the right path. So I give Holy Spirit free reign to correct me because Holy Spirit's job description. When we read that, none of, we, none of the stuff we talked about was punishment. It's correction. His job is to get me back on track. And then we got to go back to scripture and rely on scripture because of number four. It gives us instruction in righteousness. 
What is instruction in righteousness? It's just a, the systematic application of truth. It's what I'm going to do for you this morning. I want to systematically lay out this truth around what Holy Spirit's job is and why you can rely on him and why you should desire him to be in you and with you for all of the rest of your life. So then see, notice this. When we continue to see this throughout scripture, both the Old and New Testament, we can rely on it. We can rely on it. What can we rely on? That it is Holy Spirit's job, that it is God's commitment to guide us. In fact, we see this in Psalms 31 and, and, and 3. It says, yes, you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your namesake, what does he say? Lead me and do what? Guide me. Somebody ought to just, I saw Chris say this morning, put some fire emojis. Listen, if you're watching this, you ought to get one of those little hand emojis and just raise your hand. I want God to lead me and guide me. I'm Somebody, ought to just, somebody out there, I feel this. You're sick and tired of trying to do it on your own. You're sick and tired of trying to figure it out and always having to get only halfway done before it blows up in your face. Listen, make the declaration today and say, doggone it, I'm going to be led and guided by God. He promises to do it. Look at Psalms 23. Psalms 23, 1 through 3. Again, I'm just laying out this scriptural foundation for you. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. As my shepherd, he feeds me and guides me and shields me. He says, and I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in fresh, green, tender pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes me, verse 3, and restores my life. He says he leads me in the path of righteousness. There it is. Uprightness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, praise God, but his namesake. He says not for me earning it. He leads me and he guides me. He leads me, he guides me, he refreshes me, he restores me. Not because I earn it though, guys. Not because I earn it. I didn't do, I don't do anything to make Holy Ghost do this. This is God's commitment to me. He says, as a citizen of my kingdom, here is, here is the benefit plans. It's like if you go and you get a new job and one of the job benefits is they give you life insurance. And they say, you don't have to pay for it. It's just something we give you. We give you a $100,000 policy that while you work for us, if you happen to pass away, we'll give your family $100,000. It's not anything that you have to pay for. It's just part of the benefit package. You just get it because you work here. There are some things Holy Spirit just gives us because we are citizens of the kingdom. And one of the things that he does for us is everything we see in Psalms 23. Let's look at Isaiah 58 and 11. Somebody said, this is a lot of scripture. I know you ought to want your life to be built on the word. Isaiah 58 and 11 says, and the Lord, there it is again, he shall guide you. How often? Sometimes. Uh-uh. And the Lord shall guide you every now and then. Uh-uh. It says, and the Lord shall guide you what? Continually. He's going to guide you continually. Why? Because that's his commitment to you. And while he's doing it, what is he going to do? He's going to satisfy you in drought and in dry places and make strong your bones. So when we declare on Friday mornings, when we have champion circles, that there shall be no more dry places, we're not making that up, baby. That is the word. Isaiah 58 and 11 in the Amplified says, and the Lord shall guide you continually. 
and he shall satisfy you in drought. That means that when the economy comes, when COVID pandemic hit, God wasn't concerned about that stuff. He had already made a commitment to you. He says, I'm going to satisfy you in times of drought and in any dry place you go to. He says, and I'm going to make strong your bones. Why? Because that's what he desires to do. The rest of that says, and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose water fell not. He said, you're going to be like a tree that's stuck in the middle of the desert. Ain't nothing around but sand and dry places all around you. But underneath you, there's going to be a spring of water that's going to be fulfilling you and satisfying you. And your leaves are going to be green. Your leaves are going to be bright. You're going to have fruit on your tree. And everybody's going to be looking around saying, how are you surviving in this environment? I thrive because Holy Ghost is on the inside of me. I don't preach myself happy. Listen, you understand that when Holy Spirit gets on the inside of you, that what you couldn't do before, you can do it now. He changes your environment. Everybody around you may be losing their job. Everybody around you may be having gas shortage. Everybody around you might not be able to find toilet paper like it was in the pandemic. Listen, God always directed us to where the toilet paper was. My spiritual mother preached a whole message. She said he is the God of the toilet paper. Listen, he was God of the toilet paper during the pandemic. He was God of the paper towel. He was God of the Lysol. He was God of the Clorox wipes. Every time we needed it, he told us where to go and find it. When people were saying, I've been to 20 stores. Listen, I had a whole experience where I was going to go and get the things that we needed. I went to four or five stores and I was like, man, I can't believe they ain't got none of this stuff. And literally, I think I shared this. Holy Spirit said, you could have just asked me. He said, you could have just asked me where to go. And then, and, and then, but because I was shamed, I didn't really want to ask, but I also didn't want to keep riding around. <laughs> so I said, okay, Holy Ghost, tell me where to go. He said, I want you to go to Family Dollar, the new one they built over there uh, uh, of Crossover. I was like, the Family Dollar? We don't even go to Family Dollar. Man went over there. They had a whole 18-wheeler that had just pulled up where they had just unloaded. All kind of brawny, all kind of charming, everything I needed. Listen, I was at other places looking at great value toilet paper. And listen, nothing wrong if that's what you use. <laughs> nothing wrong with great value. I need something a little softer than that, you understand? So my wife was like, don't you come back here with no great value. But the Holy Spirit showed me where to go. He showed me where to go. And why is that important? Because there are times in your life where you won't know where to go, but Holy Spirit will absolutely tell you. Now, somebody says, okay, Pastor Edwin, that's good. That's a lot of good Old Testament stuff. We even got one in Psalms 32 and 8. It says, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye up on you. There it is again. That's what he's going to do. He's going to instruct us, teach us, show us how to go and give us counsel as long as we keep gazing upon him. But what about the New Testament? Well, let's look at John 16. In John 16, 13 and 14, he says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he's going to guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. In other words, he says, listen, 
even in the New Testament, it, it went from God doing it to Holy Spirit doing it. Why? Because he now has put Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We just have to learn that listening to the Holy Spirit is not hard. Somebody type that. Say, say, say listening to Holy Spirit is not hard. Listening to Holy Spirit is not hard. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 14, it says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, for as many as are being led by Holy Spirit, they are considered to be what? The sons of God. And so if we are sons of God, it's important to know how Holy Spirit is going to lead us. Right. Let me give you four ways in which Holy Spirit leads us. Holy Spirit is always going to lead you through one or four, one of these four ways, maybe a multitude of them. Number one, Holy Spirit is going to guide us through scripture. He's going to guide us through scripture. Okay. The second thing he's going to do is he's going to guide us through our spirits with his spirit. He's going to talk to our spirit men. He's going to communicate. Okay. Number one, we can see things in the word, the scripture. Number two, he's going to grab us through, through his spirit. Number three, he may use signs. He may use signs. Now, you shouldn't always just de depend on the sign, but there are times that Holy Spirit will use a sign to lead you. And then number four, he'll lead you through situations. So he's going to lead us through scripture, his spirit, signs or situations. And the situations that he typically is going to use are going to be those situations that you already know how to respond to appropriately. He's going to give you some situations to come up in your life and you're going to know how to respond appropriately, the decision will be, will you do it? Like, like, you know, you ain't supposed to lie on your taxes, but if your accountant says to you, well, you know, or you can do this and you can do that. And, you know, you didn't necessarily got to have the receipt, but you're supposed to have a receipt and blah, blah, blah. Are you going to do it? Or are you going to have integrity and do things God's way? Because once you begin to do things God's way and you get committed to it, then you know that, the, that God is leading you. How is he leading you? Through scripture? through his spirit, through signs, or through situations. So let's talk real quick as I finish this up for today. I want to talk about the requirements. What are the requirements then for God's commitment to guide me? What must I do to put myself in a position where I can, without question, be able to be guided by God? Because let me say this, God has made a commitment to guide you. But you know this and I know this. God is not going to grab you by the collar and shake you and make you follow him. He's just not going to do it. If he for him to do that, we wouldn't have free will. You know, God doesn't make us love him. There are people who say, oh, I don't believe in God. I hate God. You know, uh, God isn't real. You don't see God smiting them when they say that because God loves us. He gives us a choice. He says, I want you to love me. But I give you that choice. The same thing is true when it comes to God guiding us. He, I, I showed you in scripture where he has laid out without a doubt. There is no fallacy to be had. God wants to lead you. I laid out for you that God wants to do that through Holy Spirit. We talked about the things you need to know about Holy Spirit. We talked about his job function. And we started off by saying today that it is his job to give us wisdom and guidance, that it is his job to help us to walk with God. But now what's my responsibility? Real quick, let's talk about your responsibilities. What are your responsibilities to make sure that you are in the right place to be led by God? Number one, 
If you are going to be led by God, if you're going to allow Holy Spirit to lead you, number one, you must have a repentant and humble heart. You must have a repentant and humble heart. If you do not have a repentant and humble heart, your heart will become hardened. And although Holy Spirit is always speaking, you will be always ignoring. You are only hearing when you are in trouble. You're only hearing when you don't know what to do yourself. Uh, you will turn him off when he doesn't say something you like, when he's giving you that reproof. So number one, if you're going to be in a position to be led by Holy Spirit, you must commit to being a repentant person and having a humble heart. What does it mean to be repentant? To change directions. That's all it means. It means that when I find out that I'm doing something the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to do, I change. Okay. To have a humble heart simply means that I have the, I have the attitude to say, hey, I don't know it all. If Holy Spirit says go left and I think I'm supposed to go right, I'm picking left because he knows more than I do. Number two, if you're going to have one of the requirements to be led by Holy Spirit is that you must have a revelation on God's willingness to guide you. That's what I just did for you. I gave you so many scriptures about God's commitment and his willingness and his desire to guide you. I, I had to feed you that so that now you have no doubt that it is unequivocally God's desire to guide you and he uses Holy Spirit to do it. I, and hear me when I say this, you don't have to beg God. You don't have to plead with God. His word tells me that it is his will to guide me. It's his will. And so because it's his will, all I have to do is be open and participate with it. Number three, I must be sure that my responses when I am being led, right? I must be sure that my responses as he's guiding me does not negate my faith. What do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. While God is leading me, if trouble shows up, if a pitfall happens to be before me, if I get sucker punched by the world, by something I didn't know that was coming, as he is guiding me, I have to make sure that what I am doing, my response to that trouble, my response to that pitfall, my response to that unknown thing does not negate my faith. In other words, I don't open up my mouth and start saying something negative like this stuff doesn't work. Oh, God, you was taking me down this path and then my mom passed away. I knew I shouldn't have been following you. I was going down this path and then my company laid me off. I knew I should have never listened to you and took this job. Don't allow your mouth to negate your faith. You got to make sure that your responses as he is guiding you do not negate your faith. You got to watch what you're saying and watch what you are doing. You can't let things get difficult and you say, well, I'm just going to go back to doing it the world's way. Do not negate your faith. Number four, if you want to be led by Holy Spirit, what do you have to do? You got to get to the place, and this is so important, that your reputation has to become secondary to pleasing God. Your reputation must be secondary to pleasing God. There are times Holy Spirit will ask you to do something and you may think, oh, if I do that, I'm going to look like a fool. If you take regard to your reputation, you will always find yourself disobeying Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will ask you to do some things. That, for instance, give you a prime example. Somebody do you wrong and everybody know that they did you wrong. 
And Holy Spirit says, I want you to go and I want you to buy them flowers. I want you to pay for their dinner. And I want you to tell them that I love them. You're like, oh, I don't know. The, the devil is a lie uh, uh, and a deceiver too. I mean, we got all kind of things we say when that happens. Why? Because now you are thinking about your reputation. You're like, oh, but they did me wrong. People know they did me wrong. If I give them flowers and I buy them lunch and they ain't said they sorry, people going to think I'm a punk. People going to think I'm weak. People going to think I'm soft. People going to think they can take advantage of me. Whose reputation do you care more about? If you're going to be led by Holy Spirit, you've got to reach the elevated state of saying my reputation is secondary when it comes to pleasing God. Number five, I must have a resting resolve void of anxiety. I must have a resting resolve void of anxiety. Why? Because there are going to be times that Holy Spirit is going to be leading you and you're not going to know what the next step is. You're not going to know what the next thing he's going to ask you to do is going to be. You don't even know whether it's the right place or not. All you know is that's where he said go. But you got to know that if he said go there, it is the right place. So I got to be I got to be void of my anxiety because my anxiety will make me stop following him. My anxiety will make me do something that makes sense, but it don't make God. Who glory to God. It'll make sense, but it won't make God. God will tell you to do something in the financial realm and in, in the world. It'll make sense that you wouldn't do it. But God said, do it. Well, where's your resting resolve going to be? It's got to be connected to number three and number four. My, I, I have no, no reputation and I don't care what it looks like. I'm not going to negate my faith. My faith says I do what God says. So number five says I must have a resting resolve, void of anxiety. Remember, God is committed to ordering my steps. So because God is committed to ordering my steps, I can have this resting resolve in everything that I'm doing because I don't have to be anxious because God has never failed. God has never messed up. God, God is a gazillion and, and, and oh, he, he, has, he has never, ever lost. Number six, I must cultivate a readiness to obey divine instruction. How do I cultivate a readiness to obey divine instruction? By obeying God on the little things. I obey God on the small things. I obey God on the things that seemingly don't matter. I obey God no matter how big or how small it is. So that when I receive divine instruction, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'm ready to obey. The Bible talks about having in you a readiness to obey. But the only way you get a readiness to obey is that you have to crucify disobedience. If I crucify disobedience, I am setting myself up to be led by Holy Spirit. Number seven, I must learn to rely on inspired, responsive thoughts in the moment. I must learn to rely on inspired, responsive thoughts in the moment. Whoa, Pastor Aaron, what does that mean? That means you got to learn to respond quickly. There are some things Holy Spirit will ask you to do. And if you don't do it, you miss the opportunity. You may be, you listen, you may be driving down the street and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to change for my work clothes. I'm going to put on my, my workout clothes and then I'm going to go to the store. And on your way home, Holy Spirit says, no, go to the store right now. Don't you go home and change. Go to the store right now. 
And you say, oh, but I need to change clothes. You got to learn to rely on inspired, responsive thoughts in the moment. When Holy Spirit says go, you go. Why? Because I'm also developing that readiness to obey divine instruction. What am I doing? I'm going to the store. Why? Because he may have already told somebody at the store that the person who's going to help them or the person they need to talk to or the thing they need to see is going to be you and you're going to have on what you got on. You don't know how, how Holy Spirit is orchestrating all of this, but you need to learn to obey. And then once you learn to obey, you got to have a readiness to be able to respond and rely on inspired, responsive thought in the moment. The Bible says this in Psalms 37, verse 23 and 24. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighted in his way. It says, though he fail, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his right hand. The Lord upholds him. When you obey God, the Lord is upholding you. Now, there are some biblical examples of this, and I won't get into all of these today. I may come back and teach some of this a little later. But I do want to talk about this one particular example, because as I was going back through my notes and reading some things and preparing for this, I thought, man, there's so much meat in this that I think I've missed out on before. Because God gives us example of biblical role models who have guided us. And if you study this out, what you find is that in all of these situations, God guides them what I call progressively. What I mean is God doesn't give them the whole blueprint when they get started. And the same thing is so often true for many of us. God guides us progressively. And when God guides us progressively, it is important for us to be able to re to respond and rely on 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 those um those 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 thoughts in the moment when God is talking to us for us to be ready to obey when 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 we don't negate our faith when things don't go our way because the the bible shows us so many examples of this and and one of the examples is about when David uh and his men returned to Ziglag another one that can be seen uh is is when the children of Israel were being led by God. How did God lead them? The Bible says he led them by clouds during the day and he led them uh, by pillars of fire at night. I believe that's Exodus 13 uh, and 21. It says that he He, he led them uh, by day, uh, by, 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 by clouds, and he led them uh, by pillars of fire at night so that they could see where they were going. He, he progressively led them. And that's what God does for us. He progressively leads us. The same thing is true uh, with Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the temple uh, in Jerusalem. The Bible says that he started it and God just began to give him instruction. His desire was to rebuild it. But as he was rebuilding it, God gave him instruction progressively, progressively. Some of you got to get comfortable with Holy Spirit leading you progressively. The same thing is true with Paul. The Bible says, uh, I believe it's in Acts chapter 16. If you read Paul in his, in his, in his ministry team, they desired to go to like four or five distant places, but the Bible says the spirit forbade them. In other words, the Holy Spirit said, nope, don't go there. They said, okay, we'll go here and preach the gospel. He said, nope, don't go there. He says, okay, go here. They said, nope, don't go there. Paul said, man, well, maybe we should go over here. The Holy Spirit says, no, don't go to any of those places. Paul says, okay, well, I, I know I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel, but I don't know where to go, so I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and the Bible says, in I believe, Acts 16 and 9, it says that a man from Macedonia appeared to Paul in a dream. 
And as a result, that is how Paul ended up planting the church in Macedonia. See, he had a desire to do something, but Holy Spirit says that's the wrong way. You may have a desire to do something. Holy Spirit may say it's not the time or it's not the place. Where is he leading you progressively? Because if you study this out, you eventually find that all the places that Paul wanted to go to originally, he ended up going there, but not until after he went to Macedonia. There are some things God wants you to do first. I know you don't think they're important. I know you think you need to just jump all the way to C before you do A and B, but Holy Spirit knows best. And you got to be okay with that because you know that it's God's commitment to guide you. Now, let's talk real quick about David and Ziglag. Because if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, there's a couple of things in here that I want us to end with today. And I, I want you to I want you to see this. Somebody type in the comment section, say, God guides me progressively. God guides me progressively. And, and it's just true for all of us. None of us know four years from now where God's going to have us. What we can be assured of is that if we follow him four years from now, it'll look better than it does today. That's what we know. Holy Spirit knows best. Holy Spirit knows best and he guides us progressively. Now, I'm not going to read all of 1 Samuel chapter 30. I want you to read it. But I do want to tell you this. The Bible says it like this. It says that David, and I'm paraphrasing, David and his men had came back from battle. And they came back to Ziglag. But when they got back to Ziglag, they discovered that the Amicalites had already came and they had destroyed their entire town taking their wives, their kids, their cattle, their, 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 their tools, took everything from them. The Bible says that the men were so grieved that literally they started having discussions about killing David. And David was distressed as well because both of his wives had been taken and his children had been taken. But David understood what it meant to be guided by God progressively. So the Bible says that David went to his, uh, and he asked one of the men, he said, bring me my ephod. And the Bible says that he brings him the ephod and he puts it on and he goes his priestly garment and he puts it on and he asks God a question. I believe it's in verse eight. In verse eight, it says, and David inquired at the Lord. He asked God, he's saying, shall I pursue of this troop. And most people get excited. This is what he started hooping and hollering and teaching this part. And it's good. It says, he says, shall I pursue of this troop? Shall I overtake them? It says, and the Lord answered and said, pursue. That was his word. Pursue. He says, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, that's, you know, most of the time we stop preaching right there and that sounds good. But the Bible says that when they first took off, it says that it was 600 men that went with David. It says when they got to the first place and the men were so weary and so distressed and, and so overcome with grief that some of them couldn't go. It says then David took 400. So two of 100 of them stayed behind. It says and David pursued uh, another 400 men. It says for 200 abode there. It says, and right then, now watch this. God is guiding him progressively. See, he says, okay, shall we pursue? He says, yes, you shall pursue. They're going after the thing that God told him that he should have and that he should have it all back. 
But the Bible says that along the way, and I think this is the part we miss, the Bible says they encountered an Egyptian boy. And because he was Egyptian, we know that he was a slave, that he had to be in that part of the country. He had to be tied to a master if he was there. And if you read this in verse 11, it says, and they found an Egyptian in the field and they brought him to David. What, what's the message here? Don't miss this. When you are pursuing God, you can never forget about compassion. When you are pursuing God, you still got to be compassionate. See, the Holy Spirit is always teaching, always leading, always guiding. And sometimes as believers, we can be so headstrong into going after what God has, we forget about the fact that we're supposed to be passionate people as well. But the Bible says they found this boy in a field. They brought him to David. This is God orchestrating all of this. It says they brought him to David. And they, verse 12 says, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, the spirit came again to him. It says, for he had eaten no bread and drank no water for three days and three nights. Notice this little boy is in this field. He hasn't had any food or any water. Well, why not? Well, he tells us in the next verse. It says, and David said unto him, to whom do you belong? He says, and where are you coming from? And the little boy, not knowing who David and all those men were, he said, I am a young man from Egypt. I am a servant of an Amicalite. He says, and my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. Oh, it's a setup. It's a setup. See, when you're not compassionate to people, when you don't take care of people as you're pursuing the things, the very thing you discard can be the very thing to come back to get you. Oh, glory to God. Watch this. Verse 14, he says, we made, now, now, now the man's sick, right? He done fell sick, then gave him something to eat. Now he's spilling the beans. <laughs> he's talking to David like they his best friends. Verse 14 says, we made an invasion up on the south. He says, that belongeth to Judah and up on the south of Caleb. Watch this. He says, oh, and by the way, we burned down this city. <laughs> we burned down this city called Ziglag with fire. Now, 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 for most of us, watch this. If we found the person who burned down our city, if we found the person who took our wife and kids, if we found the person who was responsible for 600 men wanting to kill us, we take out our sword and do him in. But David didn't do that. Why? Even though David was on a mission, he was still being led by God. He was still being led by Holy Spirit, even though he didn't know that what, that's what that was at the time. The Bible says that the young man says, listen, David said to him in verse 15, David said, can you bring me down to them? <laughs> so y'all burned down a city. Ziglag, was it? Hmm. Can, can you, is it possible that you could bring me down to, to where it is that, that, that they used to be? Look what the young man says. He says, and David said unto him, canest thou bring them down to me? And he said, I swear unto you by God that thou would neither kill me nor deliver me into thy hands of my master. He said, I'll bring you down this company. He said, all I need you to do is promise me you ain't going to give me back to that man. He left me here to die three days ago. And if you promise not to kill me, I'll show you where they are. And the Bible goes on to say that the man took them down to that company. He showed them where they were. They were sprawled all out, laughing, drinking, eating, having a good time. And baby, listen, I love this. The Bible says that David and his men, those, those few men that he had, 
It said David went down there and he fought them and he slew them from twilight to the eve of the next day. For 36 hours, he whooped their tail. The Bible says the only people who got away was the men who jumped up on their camels and took it up out of there. The Bible says that he took everything that they had taken, not just from Ziklag, but everything they had gotten from the south, everything they had gotten from over where Caleb was. It says it took everything they had. They got their wife back, got their kids back, they got everything back. Pastor Edwin, why do you get excited about that? Because I'm telling you, some of you done lost some stuff. But if you make the commitment to follow after God, if you make the commitment to be compassionate in your pursuits, if you will allow Holy Spirit to tell you yes and let his yes be your yes, if you will let him say no and let his no be your no, if you will follow after him, you shall greatly receive and pursue and, re and, and get back everything God has for you. Nothing is lost in the kingdom. The Bible says David recovered all. He recovered all. And my prayer is for you that you will humble yourself, have a repentant and humble heart, that you will be of no reputation, that you will allow Holy Spirit to infuse you and fill you so that you can have the same kind of triumphant victory that David had, that you can have the same kind of triumphant victory that the children of Israel had, that you can have the same kind of triumphant victory that Nehemiah had, and that you can be led to go where you're supposed to go, not where you want to go, just like David was. Listen, I am telling you, God wants to do so much for you. Yes, this is a season of great harvest. Yes, this is a year of release. But not if we don't allow Holy Spirit to take the reins. We got to allow Holy Spirit to take the reins. And if we'll do that, if we'll do that, I'm telling you, your life will be vastly empowered over what you see right now. I don't care how good it is. It will be vastly empowered over what you see right now. So listen. I'm done. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a decision right now before we end this broadcast that you are willing to let Holy Spirit lead you. I don't know if you got to type it in the comment section, if you got to put it on your refrigerator, if you got to write it on the mirror of your bathroom, but you need to say, I allow Holy Spirit to guide me. I allow it. Because he won't do it if you don't allow. You have to allow it. You have to say that it's okay and you have to be willing to participate. You know, there's been times in my life where I decided I wanted to lose weight. And I told my wife, I said, hey, I want you to hold me accountable. And then I'm out there eating a snickle bar. And she says, hey, I thought you said you were going to lose weight. Don't be talking to me about what I'm supposed to eat. You can't do Holy Ghost like that. You can't do Holy Ghost like that. You can't say I allow you to guide me. And then when he's guiding you, talking about I don't need your input. Listen, you got to temper yourself. You got to temper yourself to say, you know what? Holy Ghost, I give you free reign. I'm going to take control of my emotions. And if I'm doing something, you tell me not to do it. If I have to stick my fist in my mouth not to say something, that's what I'll do. Because I'm committed to being guided by you. And if you do it, man, I'm telling you, your life going to be the better. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm done. Praise God. Listen, again, happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day to every mother figure out there. 
Men, if you, if you haven't done anything nice for your wife yet, get up. <laughs> Go do something. Don't, don't be talking about she don't want no card. She does. You may not think a card's important, but she does. Go get a card. Go get some flowers. Go out for a walk if the weather is nice. Do something. To, to, they don't have to be an expensive gift. I know the women are saying it can be. I know it can be. I said it don't have to be. Do something nice for them to show your appreciation. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Listen, as you know, you always have opportunities to give. It's always opportunities to sow. If this word blessed you, you ought to sow. If this word blessed you, if you made some commitments based off what you've heard, then you ought to sow. You have a multitude of ways to do that. You can do that via Givelify. You can do it via push pay. You can give on tithely. You can even text to give. Pastor Sean loves her text to give. It's 833-969-0897. Or if you are one of our international partners, or if you just prefer to give that way now, you can give via PayPal. Uh, I believe all you have to do is use the email address, FOC Church, NWA. That stands for Northwest Arkansas. I always have to tell people that <laughs> NWA means a lot of different things, a lot of different people who, who grew up in, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, but that's Northwest Arkansas, FOC Church, Northwest Arkansas at gmail.com. You can give PayPal, give LaFi, push pay, or tithely. Amen. Now, let's make our offering confession and then we're going to get up out of here. Amen. Come on, let's make this confession. As disciples of the living God, we honor our Heavenly Father. By giving our tithes, offerings, and gifts to be used in fulfilling of the Great Commission. In return of cheerful obedience, we believe that God will bestow upon us new businesses, growth for existing businesses, jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, Benefit sales and commissions, favorable settlements, uh, estates and in, in inherit. I'm sorry, <laughs> I lost my spot. Okay, there it is. Favorable settlements, uh, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and return. That's what I was waiting on. Big checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses and decrease. Increasing the stock market, too. I'm going to say that. Blessings and increase. <laughs> Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessings, and increase upon me so that I have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Listen, we love you guys. Hope to see you on Monday for Strategies for Success. Hope to see you on Tuesday for prayer, Wednesday for Refresh Bible Study. Hope that you'll get your teens involved on Thursday. Hope to see you next Friday for Champion Circle. And then right back here next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. for Christian Valley Worships and 10 a.m. for service. Amen. Listen, God bless you. You guys have a great day. And once again, happy Mother's Day to you all. Love you guys. Have a great day.